0: Fun B everybody, welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. I hope everybody is doing good out there today. Kimbra, how are you today? I'm
1: Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Well, that's appropriate. This is the Fantastic Cruising podcast. And look, you know what else is fantastic? It's October.
1: It is October. The and best month ever.
0: That is the best month. It is one of my favorite months, even though it means the end of summer. Although, we live in Florida, so is there really an end of summer?
1: There's not really an end of summer, ever.
0: I mean, blink and you miss the other seasons here in Florida. But uh, but October is one of my favorites because I love Halloween and, of course, I love Inktober. And it is Inktober season.
1: It's also my birthday.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's also her birthday. I guess. Is that important?
1: No. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, look. We'll get to her birthday because that's something. We're going to do something fun. For Kimber's birthday it's a surprise but I'm really bad at surprises so it's not a surprise any longer does that still mean it's a surprise anyway look it's Inktober and if you're not familiar that means that artists all around the world make ink drawings maybe one a day in some cases there's a, an official prompt list put out there by a great artist named Jake Parker but I decided to take my own little twist on it this year and I came up with the list for Fantastic Inktober which is all cruising-related stuff, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I put it out there in the fantastic Cruising community over on Facebook, and I expected maybe one or two people to participate, but it has been outstanding. Lots of participation, including, Kimbra, you've been drawing some ink stuff.
1: I've done a couple. I'm a little behind, but I'll catch up today, hopefully.
0: I mean, look, it's its a lot to try and do a drawing every single day. It may not sound like a lot, but it's a lot because, you know, real life happens. Like yesterday, we're recording this on Saturday. You guys are hearing it the, at the earliest tomorrow on Sunday. But last night, Friday for Inktober, I had to do my ink drawing and we worked all day. And then we came home. We ate real quick, and then we basically went back out. We watched a play that one of our coworkers was starring in, and then we went to a haunted World War II merchant vessel, like a haunted house on a on a ship. That was that was cool.
1: It was, and it didn't scare me as much as I thought it was going to.
0: Which is a win. Which is a win. They were. It was a zombie ship. It's called. What was it called? Undead. Undead in the sea. Undead in the sea, or undead at sea, or something, something like something that. like that. It's really cool if you're in Tampa. Around this time, this is, you know, October 2019. Definitely check it out. It's right behind the aquarium. And it's really cool because it's a haunted house on an actual ship. And there's, there, you get these little UV lights, and the zombies wear like UV makeup. So you shine the UV light in their face and they theoretically stop and don't turn you into a zombie. It's, they're fungus zombies. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But anyway, uh, it was such a busy day. We didn't get home until what, like 11?
1: It was close to 11, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then I had to, like, get my Inktober drawing done really fast, and it was really, you know, like, high pressure, get it out there. So it is a lot of work. So that's why I really appreciate everybody who is participating. Even if you do one for the whole month or one a week, I don't care. Just uh, just make some art or, you know, check out everybody else's art because we have gotten some really, really great submissions for Inktober for fantastic. October. It's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to the rest of the month. It is a test of endurance, but it is a lot of fun. And speaking of a lot of fun, this podcast is about cruising and I don't know of too many things that are more fun than cruising. How about you?
1: I agree. Cruising is probably one of the most fun things.
0: Wouldn't it have been really stupid if we one of us would have been like, I mean, cruising's okay, I mean, we're doing a cruising podcast. We have a cruising Facebook group. We have a YouTube channel that, that covers cruise. I mean, if we were like, yeah, cruising's, uh, it's all right. No, cruising's amazing. It's a lot of fun. And uh, even though we can't cruise, you know, all the time, that'd be really cool. We still can think about it and talk about it. And that's what we do in this podcast, obviously. And so what we thought we'd talk about today to get things kicked off are some things that you can take with you on your cruise. Now, I know everybody's like, well, you take clothes, you take toiletries. No, no, no. We're trying to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more innovative. Many of you will be familiar with some of these. We've got a list of like, what did we come up with, 25? I
1: think we came up with 25.
0: 25 things that maybe you haven't thought of. Uh, if you have thought of some things that aren't on the list, you can always send them our way, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Dot com. But let's kick this list off. Let's see, Kimbra, do you want to start, pick, pick one of the items off the list to talk about?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with a nightlight.
0: A nightlight. Why in the world would you need a nightlight on a cruise?
1: Well, especially if you're in an interior room, it is really, really dark. So if you wake up in the middle of the night... You need to go to the bathroom or if you have kids that are scared of the dark, you want to see.
0: That's true. And I can tell you one of the things that I don't like about interior rooms is that I'm always afraid that I'm going to sort of oversleep and miss like things the next day because I don't know if it's three in the morning or eight in the morning. But having having a nightlight can help with that. I know that there are even nightlights or at least. Uh, well, let me go to the next one, an alarm clock that you can take on board that has a nightlight built in and maybe it even has the feature where it sort of slowly becomes daylight when it gets to the morning hours or when, when it's about to wake you up and that could be really advantageous. That would relieve a lot of my nerves when I'm laying there and keep waking up. I'm like, Oh no, I didn't oversleep. I didn't miss anything. So yeah, nightlight and alarm clock that those are two things you could bring along with you on your cruise. What else do we have on the list?
1: Um, I think pooperi would probably be a really good thing to bring.
0: Is that is that something that you need to bring with you?
1: I mean I think everybody needs to bring that especially <laughs> with all the food that's being eaten on that ship.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of food being eaten and what goes in must come out and Ew. It, yeah, and it's going to be a little stinky. Look, when I first saw pooperi advertised, I thought it was maybe like gimmicky, but let me tell you. It I was going to say that works because it just basically if you're not familiar with it it's a it's a smelly i guess maybe it's an oil based thing but it kind of coats the top of the water now you have to spray it on the water before you deposit anything into the toilet i know and uh but it will it'll seriously reduce the odor of the room look state rooms especially if they're interiors or even if they're just ocean view rooms not a lot of ventilation not a lot of space. It can get pretty stinky up in there. So, poo is a great option. Now, one of the things that I like to take with me on any cruise, I have a lot of hats. And that's not the item, because not everybody's going to want to take a bunch of hats. But when you're bald, you take a lot of hats. I take a lot of hats. It's hard to find a good place to store the hats. I mean, I could shove them up in the closet. But I've found that bringing these metal hooks so you can get these magnetic hooks and most cruise cabins the walls are metal and so the the hooks will work and you can put them in there and then I hang my hats on these hooks you can hang other things on them too just be aware that the hooks have a pretty limited weight limit so even though they may say they hold a lot you know test them out beforehand there's usually a little bit of space like a gap between the actual metal and and where the, the magnet would adhere or, or attract to it. And so that can that can make them a little less strong. So if you try and put like a beach bag on it's just going to slide down the wall. But something lightweight like a hat, maybe even a belt, a scarf, I don't know, a lanyard, uh, that would be things you could hang on the wall with a hook.
1: So I'm going to play off of that and go with shower hooks, like the shower curtain hooks. Um Like, you could hang your wet stuff. You could hang your hats off of those. In the shower? In the shower. And it's going to be probably a little more stronger because it's held up by the shower rod.
0: That's true. But then my hats would get wet because somebody would, like, turn the shower on. But, but, uh, yeah, that's actually a a new one for me that you found was the shower hook thing. And it is pretty cool. Like, it's a good idea because that would definitely give you some additional space that's not in the closet itself but that uh, would be great for for things like that. And I'm going to play off what I said because I said lanyard, and that's something that um, you can buy on the ship for a not-so-reasonable price, or you can get them all over the place for a very reasonable price. And there's even a lot of cruise YouTubers and, and people out there that sell lanyards, which are really cool and help benefit those different YouTube channels and stuff. So make sure to keep an eye out for those. We don't have a fantastic cruising lanyard, but maybe someday.
1: Maybe someday. That's the dream. I think we should try and do that sometime. We
0: should lanyard it on the line. I don't. That doesn't even make sense. Anyway, that's that's one thing you could do is get a lanyard. What else is on there?
1: Um, like a collapsible laundry bag or like a mesh hamper or something like that.
0: Yeah. So you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I get on the ship and I'm, I get my suitcases, um, I unpack them. I put everything in the drawers. I put everything in the closet and then as i'm wearing those clothes the suitcase is usually shoved under the bed so i'm not going to be pulling that sucker out every day and putting my dirty clothes in there what i used to do is just like kind of designate a drawer or part of a drawer to dirty clothes that doesn't work very well then we discovered like collapsible hampers pop-up hampers they're really easy to pack and then you put all your dirty clothes in there and then right before you go off the ship you get you know, you got to go home at some point, you can take all that dirty clothes and kind of reorganize it. Or if you're doing a really long cruise, or you're just really like doing laundry, you could do your laundry from that basket. It makes it really easy. So that's a that's a good one that I like quite a bit as well. Now, even if you hang all of your stuff up, you're still probably going to have to deal with wrinkles. So, you know, I, I don't I'm not a fan of dressing up, but I have to do that on the cruise, and I don't mind it so much. But even like my t shirts and stuff, they tend to get really wrinkled. So, one thing you can do is get some wrinkle release, and you just spray that on. And if you hang it, I bet if you hung it like on those shower hooks in the shower, too, take a nice steamy shower with that wrinkle release, I bet that would be like a double wrinkle release.
1: That's a really good idea.
0: It'd really straighten you out. Okay. So that's another thing, wrinkle release. You can buy it. And I know that I've even seen people like kind of making their own DIY wrinkle release. If that's something you want to do, you could probably find videos of that or, or examples of how to do that. But I just buy it.
1: Yeah. the other thing I was thinking is like Ziploc bags. Like I usually bring a lot of my toiletries and Ziploc bags anyways, but then I usually pack extras just in case I need them for something.
0: Yeah. What would you use a Ziploc bag for?
1: Um, so like if I go swimming the night before, um, you know, i got to get off the ship. So I've got wet clothes then that haven't dried over the night. I can put them in a Ziploc bag and put them in my suitcase and then it won't get the rest of my clothes wet and gross.
0: That's true. And then if you have things that are liquid that you're bringing onto the ship stowing them in there. I mean, what that wouldn't it be horrible if like your poo opened up in your suitcase on the way onto the ship and then everything smelled like poo I
1: mean, I guess that would smell good. It wouldn't smell like poo.
0: Well, no, but still, like everything in moderation, right? Like too much poo is probably too much poo
1: That's a good point. So everything in Ziplocs.
0: Everything in zip, yes. Just lots of zip. No, you, you don't need tons, but you need, you know, a few would definitely help you out. And and speaking of waterproof Um, Let me just talk about waterproof cases. So uh, a lot of people today have cell phones. In fact, I would venture to say that probably everyone that cruises probably has a cell phone. I'm sure there's an exception out there, but they're probably not listening to a podcast if they don't have a cell phone. Anyway, you take those out to the beach or, or maybe you have some other things you don't want to get wet and... You don't want to leave that stuff up on the beach where somebody can help themselves to it. So you take it in the water with you. And if you have like a like a little waterproof case, you can put your phone in, you can put your money in, all that kind of thing. It could be really, really beneficial.
1: Well, so I'm going to keep on with the waterproof thing and I'm going to go with a waterproof watch. I actually bought one for my last cruise because I've got a smartwatch that's not waterproof. Well, now I have a smartwatch that is, but I had a smartwatch <laughs> that wasn't waterproof. So I bought like a cheap uh, waterproof watch off of Amazon so I could take that with me.
0: Yeah. Waterproof watches are not a new technology, but new technology is not often very waterproof. So I I learned that kind of the hard way because um, I go on like say a snorkeling trip and I got to know when to come out of the water. And if I don't have a watch with me, I don't, I don't know when that is. And I'm constantly worried. Like, Don't live without me, ship or boat, depending on you know what I'm doing. My smartwatch, I've got an Apple Watch, and so it's waterproof to like I think a few feet or something like that, maybe six feet, three feet. I don't know. It's it's not going to cut it when I'm free diving down to like 40 or 50 feet. That's not going to work. So I just get like an inexpensive watch now. I actually have like one with a depth gauge. It's expensive but that's another story. But normally I would say just get just a you know run of the mill $20 waterproof watch even as a backup cuz one time I was at a place I think it might have been Chonkinob, which is appropriate cuz we're going to be talking about Cozumel in this episode and uh, my watch broke. Like it was not an expensive waterproof watch but it but it was it was before smart watches were a big thing and it broke and then I didn't have a watch the rest of the trip. And, uh, and so having a waterproof watch, if you have like a smartwatch or something, it's like almost a backup. Or maybe you get two. Maybe, of course, if you're on a cruise ship, let me tell you, something you can always find a good deal on are inexpensive waterproof watches. <laughs> they're usually in uh, in abundance. There are definitely lots of them on the ship. What else do we have? Let's see, you said waterproof watch. If you don't want to do the waterproof route, if you don't want to get, like, waterproof stuff, it may not help you with a watch that much, but say you don't want to, you don't trust a waterproof bag for your phone or something. Another good option is to get a beach safe, and there are a few out there. Uh, I know our friends, the shows, um, they have done some reviews on different beach safes, and the cool thing about these is that, you basically just lock them on to something really big, like a chair or a tree, and you can get them with different capacities, but you can put definitely like your money in there, your cell phone in there. And that way you don't have to worry about taking it in the water with you. Because one of my concerns is when I go snorkeling, I don't want any kind of like air filled bladder on me. So if I have like a big bag that's got air in it and I'm trying to free dive, that's not gonna be helpful. So, and I don't necessarily trust some of those products to go down to like 40 feet. So a safe is is a good way to secure your property. And it can also sort of, I know I'm not a big fan of like saving chairs, but when you're at like a a resort or something, then you do kind of get that chair and you have that for the day. It's different than on the ship. So that can kind of, you know, kind of identify your space, so to speak.
1: So I'm going to stay on the beach with that and go with a Bluetooth
0: speaker. Oh, nice. Bluetooth speaker. Get your tunes going.
1: Yeah. So you can like, if you're snorkeling or freediving, I'll go sit on the beach and listen to my <laughs> speaker.
0: You're not going to snorkel with me? I'll snorkel with okay, you. Okay, good. All right, good. Yeah, but you know, eventually you might want to go up, eat lunch. You could take a Bluetooth speaker. You know, that'll also work on the ship. You could, you could have that in your cabin. You're getting ready. You want to hear some tunes. It's going to maybe give you a little bit more music quality than just like the phone speaker that you have or something like that. And uh, yeah, they they make a lot of them now. They're not that expensive. And I think you can get waterproof ones.
1: Yeah, they've got some waterproof ones. And they're great because they're they're small, they're inexpensive, and it doesn't use Wi-Fi. So it uses that Bluetooth so you don't have to worry about like any cords to plug in. You don't have to worry about paying for the Wi-Fi thing.
0: Yeah, that's definitely kind of a kind of a good deal to have. Now, when you're back on the ship or when you're on the beach, you may be wanting to kind of uh, camp out somewhere a little bit, and and maybe it's a little windy. Maybe it's a little windy on the deck. Maybe it's a little windy on the beach, and you don't want your towels blown away. If you take a cruise towel with you and you lose it, a lot of times they're going to charge you like twenty bucks or something for that towel. So. One of the things you can do is get towel clips and you can, a lot of people will go to the dollar store and they'll get like really cheap. I think they're made for laundry or something, but these really cheap plastic clips, or you can get fancy like my mom and, uh, and you can get them with really decorative little things like there's alligator ones and flamingo ones and, and stuff like that. So these towel clips can come in handy to kind of hold your towel in place. So it doesn't end up out in the ocean.
1: So one of the things that I like to bring is a reusable water bottle.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. What what? Is, how do you use it?
1: So I I fill it up with the water on the ship. Um, or if I bring cans of soda or something, I'll use that so I'm not carrying around a can. But I don't want to have to reuse cups over and over, you know, on at, like, the buffet because they have to wash those and that uses more water. So if I just bring my own reusable water bottle... That's gonna help save some of that.
0: Yeah, and look, here's the thing. Those cups on the buffet are not very big. They don't have lids. So if you are wanting something to drink in the cabin, um, it can be a problem. So if you have like a big Tervis or a big cup with a lid on it, um, you can fill it with ice, you can fill it with tea, you can fill it with lemonade, you can fill it with water, and you can bring it down to the cabin and uh, you could put it in the refrigerator just so you have something there. Also, if you um, if you want to not worry about not having a straw, you could get one of those reusable cups with a reusable straw or the little straw type mechanism in it, so you still have that without having to use the the disposable straws if they're because they're I mean they're not even on a lot of the ships now they're getting rid of them, and so that's a way to kind of get around that. Um, You can even get one of your drinks. Say you get a drink in a glass that you buy and then you are sitting out on the hot deck. It's getting really hot and toasty. Uh, You pour it in one of those surfaces, it's going to stay cold a lot longer.
1: You can also use that for like the hot tub because the hot tub doesn't allow glass. I learned that the hard way. They took away my wine glass.
0: (laughs) Ah, there you go. Did you whine about it?
1: I did a little bit.
0: I don't blame you, you know. But wine is better. I don't know. Wine... Wine and hot tubs, that seems like a bad combination.
1: Wine at any situation is a good thing.
0: (laughs) All right, let's see what else we've got here. Now, let's kind of backtrack a little bit. When you first get into that cabin, a lot of people are worried about germs. And so I know a lot of people will bring on antibacterial wipes And the first thing they do when they get into their cabin is they'll go around and they will clean, 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 wipe down all the surfaces, especially things that you touch a lot like door handles and faucets and stuff. Do you do that?
1: I don't, but I try not to think about it. So (laughs) (laughs) I always forget to bring that kind of stuff. And then after I'm there, I'm like, oh, I should have brought that.
0: I mean, look, I don't fault anybody for doing that. Uh, it's probably a good idea. It's definitely not gonna hurt. I don't do it either. I'm not, I'm not a big germaphobe. I do, I am very careful about washing my hands and using sanitizer a lot when I'm on the ship. So it's probably a good idea. I don't know if it's necessary, but it certainly isn't gonna hurt anything. So uh, if if you're a person that's worried about that, take some of those wipes. Of course, those people already knew that. They're like, yeah, we we got that one covered.
1: Yeah. Um, also for those people that do just like go in and touch everything and then lick their hands, um, <laughs> maybe some medication.
0: <laughs> that, um, yes, that's a good one.
1: <laughs> no, that's gross. Don't do that. Um, but like, you know, if you get an upset stomach, maybe some Tums, Why Dramamine. in the world
0: would you get an upset stomach on a cruise? I can't imagine how that would happen.
1: I mean, food, <laughs> um, anything. Alcohol. Alco- oh yeah, that.
0: Seasickness. yeah there's a lot of good reasons to bring medicine with you for your stomach if you get a headache um antibiotics i learned that the hard way i got a um i got a really bad infection one time and i didn't have any like just antibiotic ointment i'll never make that mistake again because that would have cleared it up like right away uh band-aids I also had a really bad experience where I burnt my feet like really bad and had blisters all over them to where I could barely walk. Uh, Band-Aids would have been really helpful in that situation. I'm sure you can get some of that stuff. You can buy it on the ship, but it's going to be a lot more expensive. Uh, so just bring it with you. Just get a good kind of, like I know uh, Jenny from Lalita Loca calls it, she brings CVS. She puts it in one of those like, I think she still puts it in one of those door hanging things that you'd put like shoes or something in. Which is another thing It's not on the list But you could bring that But yeah just get your Like kind of first aid kit And make it very Cruise specific For that That's a good plan Another thing uh, That you can do And this is kind of I think One of the more clever things Is You can bring a European outlet adapter So Whenever you go on To cruise ships There's often only One outlet on the ship Not on the ship That would be terrible If there was one outlet On the ship (laughs) Imagine how busy that outlet would be. That would be insane. <laughs> there's normally only one outlet in your stateroom. Sometimes there's also one in the bathroom, but it's usually like up in the ceiling of the bathroom or something. It's made for like, you know, razors and stuff like that. So, uh, But there's usually, when I say one, I mean one like Western, uh, well, not even Western, but just one American style Outlet, there's also usually a European style outlet. So if you get an adapter, you've just doubled your outlet capacity, which can be really beneficial in this day of technology and everything needs to be charged.
1: That's true. You could also multiply that and get um, like a power strip or like a USB hub. So you can plug that in and plug all your devices in that way.
0: Absolutely. And I bring both of those things with me. I will say be a little bit careful about the power strips. Uh, It's always been a thing where they don't allow the surge protectors, So you definitely want one without a surge protector. But I think that maybe Royal Caribbean has cracked down on even bringing power strips. I don't know. Let me know if you know if that's really the case. I know like Griffin Alyssa had some issues with uh, bringing a power strip on. It wasn't a surge protector, and I'm pretty sure it was on a Royal Caribbean ship. So if you know the answer to that, send me an email at fantasticcruising@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now, another way to kind of help yourself with all these different devices, especially like cell phones is probably the biggest one. You can get one of those little portable battery backups that'll just plug right into your device and it gives you like an extra charge. And the cool thing is you can take those with you. Some of them I think are even like solar, but you could also be charging that while you're out doing things. And then if your phone's dead, you can plug it in, take it with you. So you never have to go without your phone. Like if, or if you forget to charge it, you can get a few of those. Even you could have like a whole battery of battery backups to help you out.
1: Yeah. But- those things are really great. I actually used that on my last cruise and I got like a fancier one it was only like $40 which was great but I was able to actually charge my phone only on that my entire cruise
0: nice nice now one thing I will say a little word of warning out there is that some rooms when you turn the lights off and you know some of the rooms now you have to have like your card or a card in the in the little slot in order for the lights to come on sometimes when the lights are off It'll also turn off those outlets and that means your stuff's not charging when you think it's charging. So make sure you're aware of how that works when you get on the ship, you know, check it out your stateroom. If you have that situation, you know, you can kind of either leave the card in there and make sure that your, your outlets are active or, you know, come up with a solution for that. But that could be a good way to get around that as well.
1: So I think another really good um, item to bring would be like a magnetic whiteboard or like some sticky notes or something to leave notes to each other.
0: Yeah, especially if you're cruising with a group of people and you don't necessarily – you're not doing maybe the same exact things with them. And so if – I mean, sometimes you can get like the Carnival app that lets you – for $5 you can communicate with people or you may have a way to do that, but maybe you don't or – Maybe you want to leave a note for your uh, for your room steward or something like that. That's a good way to do that. Now, keep in mind, some of your room stewards may not read English, but probably most of them do. Most of them probably speak like five languages. I got one. <laughs> so, but anyway, you can communicate with people you're traveling with or people that, you know, you need to, to leave notes for or even just a reminder for yourself.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. That's not something I've brought before, but I I like the idea.
0: Yeah, I've used those before, and they work they work out pretty well. Another thing that you can do is you can bring a highlighter on board. Now, there's usually pens in the room, so you don't need necessarily need a pen. But you'll get that that newsletter every day that that gives you all the activities. You know, it has different names depending on which cruise line you're on. You may get a digital version of it, but, you know, sometimes it's good to have that physical paper copy and you want to kind of pick the things that you want to do so you make sure you're not missing out on anything. You know, you can add them to your magnetic whiteboard. But uh, but in the meantime, if you have a highlighter, you can just highlight the stuff that, that sounds the most interesting to you. Normally, what I like to do is I'll look at that, I'll, I'll kind of rate things. I'll say these are the things that I really want to do for sure. These are the things that sound fun, but if I miss them, I'm not going to be too upset. And these are the things that if I'm really bored, I might do, which doesn't happen that often to me on a cruise. And then that way I make sure that I prioritize the stuff I really want to do. Like for you, it's probably Harry Potter trivia.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to I'm going to bounce off that a little bit. So I've actually bought or brought like three different color highlighters. So, like, I highlight what I want to do in one color. My shipmate or my roommate, you know, highlights what they want to do in one color. And then, like, we highlight, you know, absolutely have to do things in, like, another color. So, like, we we use the different colors to distinguish. So, instead of just one highlighter, we bring different colors because Ooh. it's fun. Yeah.
0: Oh. You know what you should do? You should do, like, um, you should do yellow for one person and blue for the other. And then when they cross, they become green. Ooh. No.
1: I think I usually do, like, orange, green, and pink, or green, yellow, pink, or something, like a stoplight. Like, green is absolutely, yellow is maybe, pink is, if I have time.
0: Oh, look at that. That's pretty pretty clever. I like that. I like that idea a lot. All right, now um, I'm going to go off of the sort of stream of things we've been going through. We've got three things left. And uh, I really want to talk about something that's important for your safety, and that is going to be insect repellent and sunscreen. Now, you, I, to be honest, I've never ever had to use insect repellent anywhere I've gone, and you know, you guys know that I like to do some of the more, you know, adventurous type things. However, um, on Maya Key in Honduras, I didn't stay on the beach, or I would have definitely needed sunscreen. I'm, I'm sorry, not sunscreen. I would have definitely needed insect repellent because there are some biting insects down there that make mosquitoes look like sunshine. So, uh, so depending on where you're going, do a little research. You may want to use that insect repellent. Definitely better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And sunscreen, look, um, sunscreen is is not great for coral reefs. I try and minimize the amount that I use, but. Um, I still think it's important for people to protect themselves from sun, skin cancer and sunburn and stuff like that. So uh, bring some sunscreen. If you can, minimize the amount you use. If you can, try and find ones that appear at least to be reef safe. Uh, but definitely, no matter what, protect yourself and your kids and stuff from the sun.
1: So I've got one that's not necessarily bring with you, but maybe kind of a think about when you're packing or how you're packing. Um, But it's put like a swimsuit or change of clothes in your carry on. Because if your luggage hasn't made it to your room yet, by the time you're ready to jump in the pool or need to change clothes for something, you'll have that with
0: you. I just go in the buff.
1: I guess if that's your preferred method, but that'll get you off the ship about as quickly as it got you on.
0: Unless it's one of those clothing optional cruises, those do exist. I don't think I would do one of those, though.
1: We're not going on one
0: of those. Talk about bad sunburns. That would, that could just end really, really well.
1: <laughs> I think you'd need to bring more than just like a bottle of sunscreen. You'd need like a gallon or two of sunscreen to cover your whole body to not get burned for that.
0: I'm not sure how to take that. I need a gallon of sunscreen to cover my whole body. What are for you trying a, to say, Cameron? For camera?
1: an entire cruise?
0: Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of things to look at, um, binoculars are the last thing we have on our list. And I'm not recommending that you use them to look at people bathing in the nude. I'm actually recommending that you use them to look at cruise creatures because a lot of the cruise creatures that you could see out at sea on the cruise are going to be out at sea on the cruise. So you might see if you're like super lucky, a whale whale. I've never seen a whale on a cruise in the Caribbean, but you could. It's possible. You might see dolphins. You would more likely see different species of birds out there. You could see flying fish out there. And, yeah, you could see them with your naked eyes, since we're on that topic. But you're really going to see them better with binoculars. Now, speaking of seeing things, let's just jump right into the cruise creature this week. How does that sound? Sounds good. Okay, so... This week, we're going to be talking about Cozumel, but we're doing the cruise creature first, but I did pick a cruise creature that I have seen in Cozumel, and there's a lot to choose from. I've seen a lot of cool creatures in Cozumel, but there's one animal that I've only seen in Cozumel, and that is a specific species of moray eel called the golden tail moray eel, which apparently is also called the bastard eel, but I like to say that with an accent. The bastard eel. The bastard eel. I don't know why. Uh, how, how do you get that name if you're an eel?
1: I mean, maybe he's just a real jerk.
0: Oh, I was going with more of, you know, like the the king's illegitimate son.
1: Oh, well, maybe it's
0: I don't know. It was, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But anyway, eels. Moray eels, specifically, is what we're talking about. The Golden Tail Moray Eel. I just want to cover a couple things. They are fish. A lot of people don't necessarily realize an eel is basically just, it's just a type of fish.
1: My mom thinks it's a type of snake.
0: Well, see, herein lies the difference. Snakes have scales. Most fish have scales. But more eels have no scales. I don't know how they weigh themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just make it up as they go. No, they they have a really thick layer of skin which is unusual for a fish they have gills in fact really little gills so that's why they're always sitting there with their mouths open that's uh, that's something you'll see more eels doing as they have to get as much water over those little circular gills as they can so they can get oxygen but snakes never have gills so that's really what differentiates them maybe most from snakes because snakes are reptiles there are sea snakes you may see snakes But there are actually sea snakes in the water, in the ocean, and those sea snakes have lungs. So even though they don't see land very often, in fact, some of them can't slither on land really at all, they still have to come up to breathe air. It's like a sea turtle.
1: So I might see a sea snake, but a sea snake is not an eel.
0: That's correct. And and since you brought that up, people are probably wondering out there, well, how would I possibly know if I did see a more eel? I mean, how can you tell... If it's a more ale.
1: that's a good question, Matt. What is a more?
0: If you see teeth so thin and a long dorsal fin, that's a That's a With no scales on their skin and no pectoral fins, that's a they have xenomorph jaws, constantly open Mars That's amore. That's amore. Living mostly in caves and small creatures to their graves. That's amore. That's amore. And there you have it. Now you know what a what amore is. Amore eel, at least, right? That's correct. That's correct. So, um... Mori eels are pretty cool, and I, I chose the, this golden tail because, again, the only place I've seen them is in Cozumel. Now, they exist throughout the Caribbean, so you could see one anywhere. They're all the way up to Bermuda. They're, they have a pretty wide range, the Atlantic and the Caribbean, but I've only seen them in uh, Cozumel. So that's my cruise creature. Now, i got to tell you, one of the big misconceptions about moray eels is, and this is shocking, people think they're electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie.
1: That was shocking, Matt. That that
0: was. But they're not. Moray eels are not electric. And here's some more shocking news for you. There is an animal called an electric eel, and guess what? What? It's not an eel.
1: Well, that doesn't make sense at all.
0: I know, I know. It's actually a type of knife fish. So, you know, words can be really confusing. The problem is that scientists are not necessarily the ones finding these, or even if they are they're finding them at a time when we didn't know as much about these animals. And so you see a long snaky shaped thing and you assume, oh, that must be an eel. But the reason that one of the reasons that electric eels are not eels is because there are about 200 species of more eels. There's about 600, I think, species of eels. And almost all of them are Marine, which means salt water. Some are brackish. There are some that go into freshwater. There are some specific ones that go into freshwater for breeding, but the electric eel lives in the Amazon River, only freshwater.
1: That's Th- interesting. Yeah,
0: they do get pretty big, though. But this isn't about electric eels. They're not really a cruise creature unless you're cruising in the Amazon, which would be amazing. I do that. Right? Uh, our, well, our friend Kevin, who just left us to go to Seattle, uh, he cruised in the Amazon. Of course he did. The bum. Anyway, uh, yeah, so so those are electric eels, but more eels are not electric. Now, they do have some really cool ways of getting their food, and it's not as shocking. Well, maybe it is as shocking. So this is what they do. They're ambush predators. They have a really good sense of smell, and so they basically sit in usually sort of little openings, like a little cave or, or a hole in the rock. And they just hang out and they wait there, and, like I said earlier, they gotta have their mouth open because they have really small gills, so that's how they're respirating. But when food comes along, and this is what they like to eat, they like to eat pizza, tacos. no that's
1: well, I'm gonna go have dinner with an eel, then. right? <laughs> don't eat an
0: eel though, more eels, some of them are toxic. You can't eat more eels some not some of them, you probably could, but more eels are a lot of them have have a toxin, so don't do that, but anyway, what they like to eat. Is going to be small fish, squid, octopus, and crustaceans. So that's like crabs and shrimp and lobsters and that sort of thing. And what they'll do is they'll they'll sit there and they'll wait with their little sense of smell going, hanging out in their cave. And when food comes to them, because they only accept delivery, they don't go out. They don't go out <laughs> to eat. They just get delivery right, brought right to their little home. And when that happens, um, they open their mouths and they have all these teeth. In their mouths, these, these very long, pointy teeth, that are kind of thin. And on the inside of their mouth, they have a whole separate set of jaws. So they actually get two sets of jaws. They've got the regular jaws, like you would expect on most animals, like fish and, and that sort of thing. But um, these jaws sit inside their mouth. And they're called pharyngeal jaws. And what they do is they actually protrude or sort of shoot them out of their mouth... And they grab the food and then they pull it back into their mouth.
1: I don't know how I feel about that.
0: (laughs) If you've ever seen the movie Alien out there, the, the Xenomorph is the alien creature and it has sort of that jaw inside of its mouth sort of set up too. So it's got the big teeth and then inside the mouth is like this little mouth almost that comes out with jaws. That's a pharyngeal jaw, and the only animal that we know of that's released around today that hunts with a pharyngeal jaw are moray eels. So how's that for a a moray of the story?
1: Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) But these are really cool animals. Now, the golden tail specifically is kind of a dark brown eel, but they have beautiful, as the name would imply, yellowish kind of gold spots or speckles. And what happens is they, they start really small and speckly on their head, and then they get a little bit bigger as they go to the tail. However, if you look them up, if you do like an image shirts for um, these golden tail moray eels, you'll find that there's a lot of variability to them. But the one I saw was mostly brown with these beautiful yellow markings. It was a really pretty eel. It was a very beautiful animal. And then they get—they're not very big. They only get about 16 inches on average. The record is about 28 inches. So this is, for moray eels, that's kind of a medium size. But there are some really big species of moray eels. Like uh, the aquarium, we have the green morays, which are, they get like six feet long. So they are huge. really big ones. Yeah, yeah. they're behemoths. So there's there are some big species out there, but these guys kind of fall in that mid range. So yeah, golden tail moray eel. What a cool animal.
1: That is a great moray of the story. I mean, I love them. That's amore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about Cozumel. Cozumel is one of my favorite ports. And I put a poll out in the Fantastic Cruising community over on Facebook this week. And I asked people to vote for their favorite thing that they have done in Cozumel. And I gave people the option of adding more things on there. Now, I w- what I want to do is start at the bottom of the list and work my way up to the most popular. So if you've already seen that, you you know, you know probably already know what one. No big surprises there. But uh, I do want to definitely talk about a lot of these places because there's some real gems in Cozumel. And I'm betting that if I would have let people choose more than one option, we would have probably gotten a lot more hits on some of these other ones. So I added the money bar which I've never been to, but I've been told that it's a pretty good place to snorkel. And I know it's fairly close to the port. So it's kind of, if you leave the ports, you go to the right and it's along the way. And uh, I, I haven't been there, so I don't know about the food and drink there, but I've heard good things about it. And then it's also good snorkeling, which is an interesting thing. I don't know if they have the all-inclusive deal going. If you know, fantasticcruising@gmail.com, at gmail.com, let me know. Because some of the places that are all-inclusive that did really well in this poll, they don't have very good snorkeling. So that may be a good compromise if you're looking for both. Now, another one I added was Xcaret, and nobody voted for it, including myself, even though this is one of the coolest excursions I've done. It's a park, and by park I mean it's almost like a theme park. It's over on the mainland, so you have to take that ferry from Cozumel, because Cozumel is really an island so you take the, the ferry over to Playa del Carmen, and then you get to this place. It's a little bit of a trip to get there, and that's kind of the problem with it. You can do like a like a cave tubing thing there, but really, there's so much at Excarat. It, I always say it reminds me of bush gardens, but in an actual rainforest. Now, they don't have like roller coasters, but they do have shark encounters and manatee encounters and, and all these sorts of things and a lot of like Mexican culture and Mayan culture. And it's just beautiful. It's just a really beautiful place. You could easily spend more than one day investigating this park and not take it all in. Like it's it's really cool. The only problem is it closes at like five. So even if you're there on like a, a long port day, you're still only gonna be able to see part of it because unless you get there super early, you're just not going to get there early enough. So but if Exegarad is a great place, if you're ever there really early or if you're maybe staying in Cozumel or play a little Carmen area, definitely something to check out. Somebody. Um, oh, that was me. Added Playa Maya Grand Beach. Kimber, do you know anything about this one? I don't really know anything about this one. I think we saw it.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing that one on my way to one of the places I went. Um, some people got off of, we shared a taxi and somebody got out there. I know, I think they have like some all-inclusive options, but I haven't been there, so I don't personally know anything about it.
0: Well, apparently nobody else does either because nobody voted for that one, but it is an excursion option and I I suspect that some of these big top players have been so successful that there are other places that are maybe popping up in Cozumel that are trying to follow that model, because that would just make sense to do that. The next thing that's on the list that nobody voted for, including myself, is the Whale Shark Swim. Now, look, I didn't vote for this because I was thinking of this as something that I would want to do over and over again, and the Whale Shark Swim is one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. But it's not something I would keep doing over and over again simply because it was so long to get there, so long to get back and such a short amount of time with the sharks in the water. I, I don't regret it. I'm glad I did it. I would like to do it again at some point. But it's just not my very favorite thing to do, even though it's one of my favorite things to do ever. Would you want to swim with whale sharks? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and the day I was there, it was a little bit choppy. We didn't see any manta rays, but apparently that's something that's often seen there as well. So, yeah, if if you're there, it's only during the summer months when the whale sharks are there feeding. But basically, you have to take the ferry over to the mainland. Then you get in a bus that takes you up to Cancun. And then you get on a boat that takes you out to the whale sharks. So it's it's like a really long trip to get out there. But, man, what what a life-changing experience. Like, how many excursions could I describe as life-changing. This is one of those excursions. Now, somebody added one that they just said cooking excursion. I don't know what that is exactly. Do you have any ideas what that one is?
1: I didn't. I mean, I don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cooking. So I don't know if it's like um, they teach you how to make certain Mexican dishes or something. I mean, look, it involves food, so it's probably a good thing.
1: Probably. I'm not much of a cook. So I probably wouldn't enjoy that, but I am a eater, so um, I would, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would eat it. <laughs>
0: I mean, most of us are eaters, I would say. But yes, I'm a fan of eating more than a fan of cooking. Although I do have appreciation for cooking. Now, uh, somebody else said the Three Amigos Bar, and the Three Amigos Bar is right there in one of the ports. So there's different ports you could end up at if you go to Cozumel. Uh, there's I think three ports in total that you would normally end up at. And Three Amigos Bar is in one of those ports. It's the one that I've been to the most. So I don't know if it's the most common one. Um, there's one that's kind of downtown that I've been to as well. And then I think there's another one. But anyway, it's it's one of those kind of right there, easy to get to, good drinks, good food. Everybody's always dancing and partying every time I walk by there. It just looks like a fun hip happening spot and it's a great place to go if you don't really want to go way out on an excursion you just want to get a little taste and literally taste and drink uh taste and yeah drink of mexico and just have some fun just some good old chilled back drank it
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump on that a little bit. And it wasn't listed anywhere, but I'm going to say Fat Tuesdays. That's one of those bars that's like right there as well. I've gone to that one. I'm guessing it's probably similar. They have the free Wi-Fi, um, drinks and food. So I'm assuming that Three Amigos is probably similar.
0: Probably. Now, I don't know if Three Amigos is a chain. Like I know Fat Tuesdays is in some of the other ports, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But I wonder if anybody knows, is Three Amigos... Bar, a chain, or is it only Exist in Cozumel? I'm sure There's other places with that same name But maybe not the same company But that's kind of cool, that's interesting So the next one Somebody put in is the resort For a day pass, all inclusive I'm going to try and say this Iberoster Do you think that's right? Iberoster, Cozumel or i never Iberostar? heard of it. Iberostar? I don't know I have no idea I-B-E-O-S-T-A-R, Cozumel that I don't know anything about that one, but it is all inclusive, so I'm going to assume it's one of these places. Like, like the top few picks have this sort of option where you can go and you pay one flat fee, and then it's all you can eat and all you can drink, and usually a, a beautiful background. What I always want to know about these places is how is the snorkeling? Is there scuba diving? <laughs> is there any other activities there? Uh, because well, I do like food and drink, um, when I'm in Mexico, I'm more interested in seeing the, the wildlife because I can eat and drink anywhere. But I know that's not a lot of people's same goal, so uh, maybe check that one out. Yeah, if anybody wants to add more information about that, uh, let us know what that one is like. And then uh, somebody said the Cenote Cave Swim. Now, they also commented and... Um, I'm going to assume it's okay to say some of these names because you're on the Facebook group with your name. So this was Andrew and Andrew said he really liked the the cenote, I think it's cenote. I think I just said that wrong. Cenotes. notes is actually an email that goes out from the Florida Aquarium, but this is cenote. C e n o t e s Cenote, which is a which is a geological formation basically, and it's over on the mainland and um he said it was it was really really cool. So Maybe check that one out for something a little bit different. And a Cave Swim, I know that um, Cave Swims are usually get really high reviews. They have them here. They have them in Belize, a few other spots, and people tend to really like those quite a bit. Now, another thing that got, I think, just one vote, but I know this was popular with Mark and Kelly, my friends from the Traveling Duo, was Discover Mexico Park. Now, they did it as part of like a... I think it was like a Discover Mexico tour where they did like, I think they did food and tequila and stuff. I don't know. They they said it was like a really, really fun excursion. I think part of it was visiting this Discover Mexico park, which is sort of a museum, I think, that you go to. And uh, I don't know. Sounds pretty cool. If you're looking for maybe like a taste of the culture, that may be the way to go. And speaking of culture, we got a couple votes for Chichen Itza, the which is some Mayan ruins that you can go to. Now, uh, the thing about the Mayan ruins in Cozumel and really in all of the ports is that they're quite a trek. You got to really travel to get to them. But if you're even if you're not sure about it, do Mayan ruins at least once because it's pretty cool to see. And if you're really into it, like some of the Mayan ruins, they're from different eras, so they might be a certain amount of like maybe several thousand years old, maybe 3,000, maybe one's 1,500 years old, maybe 5,000. There, There's a lot of different ruins out there and you can get different experiences. But Chichen Itza is supposed to be one of the really good ones. And didn't you say there was one that was kind of closer or there there was another one there, right?
1: Yeah, Tulum.
0: Tulum, yeah. I don't remember which one is closer. But Tulum is another one that you hear a lot about. That one's not on the list. But um, if you guys have been to either of these places and you want to tell us what it was like, what your experience was like, just shoot me an email. cruising at gmail.com.
1: Dot com.
0: Now, uh, let's see. And we got Klaykowski and somebody else thinking they're funny saying never been, <laughs> which actually surprised me. John, you've never been to Cozumel. we got to get you the Cozumel, buddy, because it's really awesome. But anyway, uh, then somebody added Dune Buggies. And um, I don't know, are are you a dune buggy person? I feel like, you know, we were at my mom's and you were driving those vehicles around, those four-wheel drive small things. I feel like you would drive a dune buggy.
1: I would absolutely drive a dune buggy. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of fun, but there's so many other like water opportunities in Cozumel that I would do that first, but I would absolutely.
0: That's like the thing I always face when I'm on these is like, There's a lot of cool stuff to do, but I'm so focused on what I can only do there that I I sometimes will brush some of these other ones off. But uh, Mike actually posted this, and he posted a picture. I'm assuming that's that's Mike and maybe his family there, part of his family there, and uh, said, Dune Buggies through the streets of Cozumel was a blast. So if you're into that sort of thing, it might be a good way to see Cozumel. It's kind of cool that you can drive the Dune Buggies. I don't know if you could go on your own or if you're kind of restricted to what where they want you to go. But I know dune buggies is an option I've seen in other places too. People get into those and they seem to really have fun. Now, some other people put Cozumel bar hop, and this is pretty generic. I don't know if this is at the port. I don't know if this is going around downtown. I don't know where these bars are, but you know, it's a bar hop. So if you're into bars, you can, you can hop on that excursion, Sold. So <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of tequila and stuff like that at the, at the bars, and as well as other good drinks in Mexico. Now, another option that got some votes is the Twister Boat to Passion Island. And I know Passion Island by itself was also added in because you can get there other ways. But you actually did the Twister Boat to Passion Island. So tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, that one was really cool. Probably like top on my I would absolutely do it again at Cozumel kind of things um so the twister boat was super fun it was like a really fast boat and then they like put on the brake and it did big spins they did three or four of those on the way there and then they did some back and then passion island itself was an all-inclusive island so I drank a lot I ate a lot (laughs) and I don't really remember the ride back,
0: Um, but
1: it was fun.
0: Was it ride back on the Twister boat? It was, yeah. And and you ate and drank a lot? Yeah. And you came back and you were okay?
1: Yeah, I don't, like, we came back and, like, hung out in the port for a little bit, and I don't remember everything in that port (laughs) section of it,
0: but... Herein lies the danger of all inclusives. <laughs> I remember that I loved the excursion,
1: so I would do it again.
0: Okay, there you go, and you didn't throw up on anybody, so that's a good that's nope. a good sign. And and I mean, I might throw up on somebody just being in the twister boat without any drinks. So I don't I don't know. Did did you feel like there was like potential for seasickness on the twister boat?
1: Not really. Like they were. It, Kind of went a little bit slow at times, and then they went really, really fast, and then all of a sudden, like, there were two guys, like, kind of running it, and one of them was the driver, the other one was, like, just being funny and friendly and stuff, and he was, like, you know, he held his hand up and would, like, spin his kind of finger, like, are you guys ready? And we're all (laughs) like, yeah, and then they, you know, put on the brake, and it spins real fast, so we knew when it was going to happen.
0: Okay, all right, that's cool. Uh, Now, the next three are kind of generic, but I definitely didn't want to ignore them because they were popular votes and uh, one of them is, is shop in port and look, there's a lot of shopping in Cozumel and depending on which port you're at, the shopping will be a little bit different. but probably there's some similar shops in all of them. And uh, I will say that if you've never been to one of these sort of Caribbean or Mexican ports, just be aware that there is a little bit of high pressure sales and they can haggle with you if you wanna haggle with them to get lower prices. Uh, don't be afraid of that. If in Cozumel, they're not too bad. Like they'll they'll talk to you, they'll say, hey, come over here, come into my store and stuff like that, but uh, it's nothing nefarious going on. Like I've run into a little bit of that in Nassau in the straw market and I've heard bad stories in other places like Jamaica and stuff. It's not that kind of a scene. You're pretty safe and secure here, but um, but they will kind of pressure you a little bit. Just say no, no thank you, be polite. And uh, you know you, you can get some really good deals, especially if you are interested, but you act like you're not interested. You can get some really, really good deals on stuff. And there's a lot of neat things. There's some very generic, souvenir-y type stuff, but there's also some really good stuff. And of course, a lot of people go there for like jewelry and that sort of thing. So shopping is a good idea in Cozumel. It's one of the probably the best places to shop from what I've seen. And then there were two entries that are very similar. One is snorkeling and one is scuba, which is very generic, but I'm glad that those were entered because Cozumel is famous for its scuba and and snorkeling experiences. Jacques Cousteau remarked about how amazing Cozumel was as a diving point, so that's pretty high praise. So yeah, I I would say snorkeling, I have snorkel. I actually have not gone scuba diving in Cozumel yet, But I have snorkeled there numerous times and it is really, really good snorkeling. So uh, I know a lot of the scuba diving is drift diving, which means that you kind of go with the flow, with the current, and then they pick you up at the end, which can be really kind of relaxing and stuff. So definitely an option for those of you that are into underwater stuff, underwater creatures. Maybe you'll see a golden tail moray eel. That's a moray. That's a moray. We won't do that to you again, don't worry. All right. Now we are on to the top three. There were three definite winners of this poll, if you want to call it winners. I mean, it's just opinion, really. But, uh, but there were three really high marks from people. And the third one was a place called Nachikom. Nachikom Beach, to be specific. And that is one of those all-inclusive places. And let me just read some of the feedback we got. Andrew and Katie, who are good friends of, of ours, said Nachi Kakom was amazing and well worth the money. They said, and Katie agrees, that was Andrew. They, they had great food, strong drinks, and it felt like you had the beach to yourself. So one of the things I always hear about Nachi Kakom is that it's not as crowded as some of the other options out there for uh, all-inclusives. Let's see who else we've got here. We've got Pamela. Now, Pamela uh, Pamela Sasser, who also has a YouTube channel, she said we love Nachi So she's got a lot of experience. She's gone to a lot of ports, and that was her vote. So that's pretty high praise right there. We've also got Mike Lovelace. I think, Mike, you also have a YouTube channel. In fact, he included in the Fantastic Cruising community a video of Nachi that I believe is his. And uh, said, we've been to Nachi Cacombe and uh, want to try Mr. Sanchez. We'll get to that in a middle- minute. He said the snorkeling was incredible. So that is curious to me. Um, I have seen some snorkeling footage from there and it wasn't that incredible. So I need to watch your video, Mike, and see what I think of that. And then uh, maybe maybe I should check out Nachi Cacombe because I hear so many good things about it. If you're looking for a good all-inclusive and you want it to be a little bit more intimate, I think Kakom is probably the best place to go. Now, number two on the list is my number one on the list, which is Chonkanab. Nobody that knows me would be surprised by that. I just keep going back to Chonkanab. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's close to the port. It's got amazing snorkeling. It's got sea lions. It's got manatees. It's got dolphins. It's got crocodiles. It's got food. There are some all-inclusive options you can get now. Um, You can just go there. So the the top three, one thing I'll say about them is they're also three that you can easily book outside of the cruise line, save yourself some money that way, and these are all close enough that it's not something you need to be concerned about, getting back to the ship or missing the ship. It's not a problem with the top three. Nachi Kakom, and the top one, if you don't already know what it is, Not an issue at all. So uh, Trixie actually mentioned Chonkinob. She said, we did Chonkinob at your recommendation, Matt, because I do talk about it a lot. Talk it up. Snorkeling was fantastic. Service at the beach was great. We did a couple's massage for a fraction of what it would have cost on the ship. Yeah, a lot of these places have massages and stuff like that. She said, it was a little sandy, uh, but it was cool to hear the birds frolicking while getting a massage we did a bucket of beer and an order of guacamole for lunch and now I'm hungry. Cannot wait to go back. Yeah, I mean I love Chonkinab. I really want to hear from people who have been to Nachi and the number one place, which I'll mention in a second, and uh, and get their comparison to Chonkinab and see what you know, how much difference there is on the beach side of things. So I know Chonkinob, one of the things that people don't like about Chonkinob is it's it's a rocky shore and then into the water. But that's why the snorkeling is so good. So you kind of got to, you know, Rob Peter to pay Paul, that sort of thing a little bit. Now, number one, the one you've been waiting for. Yes, you guys all know what it is. It's Mr. Sancho's. Mr. Sancho's is so popular. in Kimbra, you've been there, right?
1: I have. That was the first time I went to Cozumel. I went to Mr. Sancho's.
0: Did you? How did you hear about Mr. Sancho's?
1: Um, we stopped at a stand in like the, the shopping area and asked where to go. And they recommended Mr. Sancho's and another one. And we chose Mr. Sancho's because we just picked one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is, it is definitely always the most popular choice. Like when you put out any kind of poll, when you talk to people about Cozumel, like you get weirdos like me who are like, I just want to be underwater. But... Most of the time, if they're interested in the beach and or drinking, Mr. Sancho's is where they go. And Nachi Cacombe has kind of been catching up on it. And I feel like some of these other places are probably uh, coming in there as well. But Mr. Sancho's is always, you know, number one in people's hearts. In fact, our friend Emily Flanagan of Joe and Emily, they were just there. We saw them before that cruise. And then they went down to Mexico without us. And they went to Mr. Sancho's. And this is what Emily had to say. We did Mr. Sanchez a couple of weeks ago on our first visit to Cozumel. We had such a good time. It will be hard to try something different next time we go. Not sure what can top that amazing day. And then she followed that with a whole bunch of emojis. So uh, obviously, and, and Joe and Emily have been to several different places, and I trust their judgment quite a bit as well. Obviously, Mr. Sanchez is an awesome place and deserving of that number one spot. So that's Cozumel, and if you guys have other things that weren't included in this list, please do send me an email, fantasticcruising@gmail.com. at gmail.com. By the way, if you are going to Cozumel in the near future, head on over to our Teespring store and get yourself a Day of the Dead-themed Fantastic Cruising shirt. We have two to choose from. One is a dolphin, and the other one is a mermaid. But let's get back to reading emails, because we did get one. And it's addressing our Drive or Fly episode from last week. This is from Stephen Ducar. Stephen, thank you so much for sending the email. He's a great contributor over at Fantastic Cruising Community and always has been. Now, Stephen lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so his closest port is Galveston, which is like four and a half hours away, depending on Houston traffic, he says. But uh, basically, he's he's lived close and far away from ports And he's done the driving. He says it depends on time, money, and wear and tear and stuff like that. But uh, he prefers to fly. He can get a really cheap flight to to, uh, Houston and then shuttle to the port. Um, He's also flown to San Juan, Miami, Orlando, and Tampa. And then he kind of gave a list of advantages of driving and flying.
1: So his advantages of driving, he's got you get to see things that you may not see while flying. At a more leisure pace. Can be less expensive and stressful when drive is an hour or two. Not bottled up with a bunch of people you do not know for however long. And knowing if someone is sick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Easy access to your car when time to leave. Minimize stress of people who do not like to fly. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, he's got don't have to worry about your airline going out of business while in the cruise. He says the first cruise ever out of San Juan he, cru- he flew carnival airlines and when they got back the airline had gone under oh um yeah i said i'm sure that just happened to european travelers that flew thomas group
0: oh so maybe that's another airline that went up his business that's crazy like <laughs> you have a scheduled flight and they're like oh sorry the airline went bankrupt
1: yeah that's insane that would be good luck <laughs> really bad <laughs> Um, So then his advantages of flying, he's got save time getting to port if more than a two hour drive away, opens up the ability to go to ports outside of your country, allows for more time pre or post cruise in departure cities to explore, cuts down on wear and tear of personal car, minimize stress of people who do not like to drive long distances, someone else is doing the driving, you can sleep, eat, or watch movies. Amen
0: to that. Yeah, and I don't like driving at all. So and then being able to do those things and the stress of it.
1: Yeah. So he's got some of his things are similar to ours, but he definitely threw in some that that we didn't even think of.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stephen. There was definitely some good stuff in there that we had not considered. Reasons to fly or reasons to drive to a port. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Fantastic Cruising. Thank you everyone so much for listening, for participating. A special thank you to everyone who is participating in the Inktober, the fantastic Inktober over on the Fantastic Cruising Community on Facebook. Look, if you want to support this podcast, a really good thing you can do to help us out is if you use iTunes or you have an iTunes account, go over there, leave us a starred rating and also a a written review that is super helpful to us. iTunes is the most popular venue for podcasts and they use algorithms and stuff to have it come up and things so if you could do that for me that would be so appreciated if you want to help support the podcast even more you can go over to patreon become a patron join at different levels for different perks and uh yeah just help us out but i think that's about it we're gonna say goodbye now i guess
1: i guess you're right so um bye everyone and see you on the ship side
0: until next time everybody have a fantastic week <clears throat> if you see teeth so thin and a long dorsal fin, that's a moray. That's a With no scales on their skin and no pectoral fins, that's a moray. That's a moray. They have xenomorph jaws, constantly open mouths. That's a moray.
1: That's a
0: That's a moray.